Much like lawful stupid paladins, I feel like there is also an option for being like stupid evil players in general. Yes. Yes, 100%. So how do you guys deal with them? Punish them. I ran an evil campaign where everyone, including James, Dave, and Terry, were all playing stupid evil for no reason. They were just, I murder the nearest thing I can find. Look, for new players, let them. Yeah. yeah. But I'm for experienced players, punish them. Oh, you <laughs> murdered that guy in the back alley? That's fine. There will be a manhunt in the morning. And you will be going to jail. Thank yes. you very much, sir. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> actions have consequences. Let the players experience consequences for their actions. I, I will then go home and build an adventuring party of actual, like, whatever level 8 characters to hunt them down. Absolutely. They deserve it. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on playable races. I'm Adam, and with me today are Megan and Brad, and this episode is called Tieflings, Fiendish Tales of Lineage. And if Tales is spelt like t- Of course it is. You're welcome. In our conversation about playable races in D&D 5th edition, we've already covered three kinds of dwarves, three kinds of halflings, and three kinds of gnomes. We dedicated two episodes to six kinds of elves, assuming... You don't split hairs with the Eladrin. We've done half-elves, half-orcs, and the 95,000 kinds of humans in the Forgotten Realms. You can find all of these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps. Or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist called Off to the Races that we've Uh... built there. You're welcome. This episode, though, is going to drag us down a little bit. All the way to the lower planes. We're going to peel back the nasty truths behind tieflings in D&D and try to find out why they're so damned popular in this edition. But before we get started, let's officially welcome Brad and Megan back into the Guildhouse. Yay! Yay! So happy you to survived. be here! It's been months <laughs> since we've seen you guys, so how is traveling back from the distant locations of 5th Ed? Megan, we're all curious about Doug, the health and safety officer at the excavation site under Castle Ravenloft. Oh my god, we did not end on a good note. Oh no, what no. happened? Did he ask oh, you Oh my Lanta. So... <laughs> As soon as he arrived on site, like we called him in for a specific reason and we thought he would just go away after that. And uh, unfortunately, over he the course... dug himself into Oh, God. Could you... Yeah, yeah. How dare you stop. <laughs> he must be your first CSO. It's too early in the game, sir. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like every project I was put on since that, he was there. Yeah. And just being a dick and shutting everything down. So, I mean, the report says... That I kicked rocks on top of him. But I mean, I just slipped and some rocks fell and an accident occurred. And I was then kicked off the project, which brings me here. Um, I mean, it was good It was good timing because I was able to come home and be able to be in the guild house for this. But uh, yeah, it was... Uh, is, is he now a feature in the crypts under Castle Ravenloft? <laughs> Doug is fine. Okay. Oh. <laughs> we don't put a That's past you. I thought that was going to go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we are not on good terms and I don't think I'll be working with him Again, so. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Brad, I'm eager to know what you had to do to settle your debts in the Yawning Portal. Let's say I was moments away of having to go into the portal myself. Fortunately, I made one bet with a passing uh, Dragonborn that happened to pay off and was enough to cover my debts. Well, Unfortunately, a couple instant souls had to die to satisfy that bet, but that was their fault, not mine. I don't think I'm technically responsible for their deaths. Well... I have only questions for you now moving forward, Um, but we are going to, uh, we're going to let people write in and ask you directly. Um, Let's jump into the actual topic of the day, which is tieflings. This one was almost called horny little devils. I did not. (laughs) Why would you stop yourself from that? Um, That's where you drew the line? That is where I drew the line. Yeah. Um, So I'm blaming Dan for, for censoring me. So anyway, have you guys played tieflings? Never. No, never. Never had a desire to. No? Did, did you care at all about them before this episode? No. The no. Prep? No, I've never gone anywhere past the stat block for them. I just always thought they were way too complicated. And I just, like, I would read, like, half page. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> every chiefling I've come across has been horny in every sense of the word or just pure evil for no reason. Just, so, just edgy for the yeah, sake of being It is edgy. the edge lord magnet. Yeah. You'd think I would love them, but I, I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, I never had a pull for me. Well, we'll find out at the end of the episode if you guys have changed your mind. So, let's jump into it. Tieflings have a strange and varied history in D&D, although they've been a mainstay since 2nd edition. They appear in decent numbers in the Forgotten Realms and Planescape, 
and were ported over into Pathfinder when Paizo picked up the Dying Husk of 3rd Edition. In recent years, they've become more and more popular, and people seem to love them. Especially, like we said, the edgy rogues and edgier warlocks. Mm. In the past, tieflings have been half-human, half-fiends who tend to be evil. They've almost always been shunned by society, given powers relying on darkness, and tied to dexterity and intelligence. They keep others at bay, have their souls tainted by evil, and usually have some sort of physical trait that belies their origins. It's almost always horns, but long tails, forked tongues, bat wings that protrude from their shoulder blades, red skin, and even goat legs with cloven hooves have been features of them in previous editions. In 4th edition, they got an upgrade to a core race, but they still came from human ancestors who had made a deal with devils. Interestingly, their skill set shifted from focusing on dex and intelligence to intelligence and charisma. It was here that we saw them embrace their inner anger and distrust of others. 5th edition keeps these edgy outsider tones and a loose link to their human bloodlines, but their infernal history is linked primarily now to devils and not just fiends in general. The idea of direct parentage has been thrown out the window, and the current genealogies of tieflings are based upon humans who have made deals with devils specifically way back in the family tree. For actual half-fiends, you have to go to the Monster Manual and look up Cambians, where they are physically similar to tieflings, but they are the offspring of Incubi and Succubi, and the demon lord Gratzt. Uh, he's been known to sire many Cambians with many a fair maiden all over the plains. Uh, when it comes to tieflings, though, there are some common themes of physical attributes, but the details can vary wildly. They are all medium-sized with long tails that can be up to four to five feet long. Canonically, they have skin tones similar to humans, but they also include shades of red. Most DMs, though, allow any kind of skin tone, and purple and blue tieflings can be seen at most tables these days. They have eyes that are solid colors, sharp canine teeth, and full heads of hair that are usually dark. But their most prominent feature is their horns. These horns can manifest in any size or color, ranging from ram-like horns to gazelle-like horns to antelope-like horns, but they aren't antlers ever. They are specifically horns. They're almost always the minority and tend to stick together in the toughest parts of urban settings. This tends to shunt them into a life of crime. Other times, they might work their way into other minority population centers where they can find more respect, but that's slightly less likely. Because they have no homeland, they have no common history, and they are slow to trust. But they are suspicious at first until they have given their loyalty to someone, and then they tend to be loyal for the rest of their lives. Most of the distrust that they encounter is projected upon them because of their diabolical bloodline and devilish physiology, but unlike previous editions, personality and alignment aren't strongly affected by their lineage. They don't even have a cultural history to rely upon like elves and dwarves do. Instead, their personalities are shaped by personal experiences and tend to lean on the negative side of things because most tieflings have had to overcome challenges at a young age by learning how to be charming or intimidating. This is why the standard tiefling tends to get a charisma bonus of plus two and an intelligence of plus one. This is a significant shift from 3.5 when they actually had a negative modifier to their charisma score. According to the player's handbook, tieflings in 5th edition have lifespans similar to humans, and their tendency to be evil is due more to nurture than to nature. Just like Megan wants people to talk to their kobolds, I encourage everyone to be kind to your tieflings. <laughs> you never know how you're going to impact somebody. That's true for both D&D and life. You're welcome, Internet. When it comes to their human ancestry, they embody the medium size and 30-foot walking speed, and they know common, but every other racial trait they get is inspired by their devilish legacy. They speak infernal, have fire resistance, and get 60 feet of dark vision. They also get a trait called infernal legacy, which gives them innate magic powers. All tieflings know the Thaumaturgy cantrip, and at third level they can cast Hellish Rebuke once per day. They can only cast it as a second level spell, and for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it lets you use your reaction to attack someone with fire damage if they hurt you. Also, at fifth level, tieflings can cast Darkness once per day. So this is what we know from the player's handbook, but in the Sword Coast Adventures guide, we get some proper 5th edition lore. During the Spell Plague, which happened about 100 years ago, which is weird, Asmodeus, the ruler of the Nine Hells, achieved godhood. And through a ritual performed by a coven of warlocks known as 
the Toral 13. Toral, of course, is the world that the Forgotten Realms takes place on. He claimed every tiefling as his own, cursing them. This meant that anyone who had fiendish blood in their veins suddenly sprouted the physical and magical features of tieflings. This happened a hundred years ago, which means we're on second or third generation tieflings, and this is in the blink of an eye for an elf or a dwarf or a gnome, right? This is really recent that they've been around. Most people immediately became distrustful of anyone who suddenly showed signs of infernal blood, even though the quote-unquote blood of Asmodeus have free will, and the minds and souls of these people are free of any sort of influence from any sort of archdevil. Now, some tieflings saw this shift as a calling, and so they did fall into devil worship, which didn't have a great PR moment for those who didn't. So, since then, some tieflings have taken to worshipping other archdevils, because, I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So they... Do. So, um, and each ruler of a layer of the Nine Hells now has a cult of tieflings that follows them. In other places around the Sword Coast and beyond, tieflings are starting to see their own subcultures gain a foothold. There's a large population of them in Neverwinter, although there's a cult up there that gives them all a bad rap. There are mercenaries in the south who fought for the djinn and are now swords for hire. In the east, a good-sized population of tieflings escaped slavery in Thay, and in Mulhorand, they're considered to be the descendants of the gods themselves. Tieflings actually rarely follow a proper religion in the Forgotten Realms, which means you don't often see tieflings as clerics, druids, or paladins, but that's not a hard and fast rule. You do get some. Most tieflings that do worship a god tend to worship one who takes care of outsiders, either through knowledge, survival, cunning, or warfare. They also tend to focus on gods who care more about the nature of a person's deeds and soul rather than those aligned with a race's well-being or physical beauty. Sword Coast Adventures Guide also gives some variant options. If you choose one of these variants, you're considered to have chosen what's called a feral tiefling. Although you don't actually have to be feral, you just look less human than the average tiefling. Slightly more disheveled, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> these feral tieflings still get the plus one bonus to intelligence, but the charisma bonus of plus two is replaced with a dex bonus of plus two. Note to all you rogues out there, because that's important. Now, if you choose to be feral, you have a couple of options. The first option is that you can take the Infernal Legacy magic and replace it with a set of spells called Devil's Tongue. You take the Cantrip Thaumaturgy and replace it with Vicious Mockery. You replace Hellish Rebuke with Charm Person. And you replace Darkness with the Enthrall spell, which is devious. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't interest you, you can just replace the Hellish Rebuke feature with Burning Hands... You are still limited to casting once for a long rest, but it lets you use it as an action so you don't have to wait to get hurt. And if neither of those options intrigue you, you can simply sprout giant bat wings from your back and gain a flying speed of 30 feet. Obviously, talk to your DM before you do this. But if you want to gain any of these varied options, you need to know that A, these features don't stack, so you only pick one, and B, you have to undergo some physical abnormalities as well. You roll a 1d4 and add 1, and then select that many physical oddities from the following list. Your horns are particularly small. You get fangs or sharp teeth. You get a forked tongue or cat-like eyes or six fingers on each hand. Goat-like legs, cloven hooves. I like that those are two separate options. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to have cloven hooves. With, with regular legs. Yeah, that makes me laugh. Or goat <laughs> legs with, with just person Regular, regular people. Yeah. Yeah. I give them hobbit feet. <laughs> oh my God. Um, you could have a forked tail. Uh, leathery or scaly skin, red or dark blue skin, cast no shadow or reflection, or exude a smell of brimstone. What's interesting here is that you see the return to some of the old physical traits, and blue skin actually becomes a legitimized option. Mm -hmm. So, what do you guys think about tieflings up until this point? Let's, uh, let's roll initiative. I'd like to, to see what you guys have to say. 18. 13. Yeah, five. Okay. <laughs> Who's first? Um, me. me. I'm first. Yes, you're first, Megan. I did it. You win. Um, you have won Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I can go have home a podcast. Now. I can go yeah. home now, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, I found the interesting shift in being a charisma based like option for these characters because it just yes. made more sense to me. And I found that very interesting to read because I've always ever, I've only ever known them in fifth edition. Yeah. yeah I never knew them pre pre-anything. So I always knew them as this and it kind of fit for me that that's what they were because it made mm -hmm. sense. You have to 
ingrain the ability to be able to either charm a person, intimidate a person, do your thing, because you are... I mean, 90% created. of people make them as warlocks anyway, so why not give them a charisma bonus? Yep. Yeah. yeah, and you get a lot yeah. of bards out of them too, Yeah, right? bards or even rogues make a good use of a charisma bonus, generally speaking. Yeah, well, when you're dealing with demons and deities, like, magic is going to exist, right? So it yeah. just makes sense that that's the tangent that they go on. Um, but no, I think that was the most interesting piece to me. I'd be able to, like, dig into that. But in my mind, I'm like, could I just do this as a paladin? Because that would be great. <laughs> there are some paladins. Right? Absolutely yeah. you could. There's like, no reason you couldn't. I just think that's, yeah, I would love to go down that train yeah. for sure. For me, the thing that struck me was reading up on this was the history as well with it being so recent that tiefling suddenly burst into existence, right? And you have to wonder how far back these bloodlines went, right? How It didn't really matter how much of this... Oh yeah, blood it, was in you. It could be point zero 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 one percent of your yeah, bloodline. Yeah, you could be like thousand, a thousand generations down the line if there was even a little bit in there. Boom, boom here's it's like a recessive gene, right? Ta-da! It just randomly shows up. So that was really interesting to me that you could have lived your entire life having no idea that you had any ties, and then all of a sudden, boom, you fully sprouted. This this really is another example of how they've blended the races and classes, so you can get the same flavor of. Of a warlock who is granted power by a, a fiend, mm-hmm. you can get that flavor with a paladin, yes. just by being a tiefling. So we're seeing that more and more now, and it's not just the divine soul sorcerer is an ASMR. We're getting more and more of these kind of crossing and across subclasses too, right? The um, what's the latest one that came out? The wild magic barbarian. Yes, blows my fucking mind. Yeah. What are some things that players should be aware of about role playing a tiefling, Megan? <laughs> I, I loved your comment about how you should be nice to your tiefling. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, my biggest thing was, like, when I was reading a little bit about we chatted about the fact that they aren't very good at making strong bonds, but once they do, it's strong. It's yes. life. It's lifelong. Yeah. Right? So I feel like if you're role-playing a tiefling, it is very important to remember that key factor. And the fact that it might take you longer to develop a relationship, but once you develop a relationship, you're probably going to be attached to that person. That's something that you need to remember. Like, if yeah. someone comes and randomly saves your life you're probably going to be attached to that person. And I think that's a key thing to remember when you're role-playing these guys. Yeah, I'll agree a little bit on that as well with the fact that because as a tiefling, you're generally distrusted. Mm. Yeah, I think when someone actually trusts you, you're going to be wary of it at first, but when you realize that it's true and like they genuinely trust you, you're going to be really quick to want to form a bond, right? You're, you don't have a lot of bonds to begin with. So when you have the opportunity and someone presents themselves as someone who's interested in your well-being actually sees you as something other than a devil spawn yeah you're going to want to hold on to that because you need as many allies as you can get in this world yeah the thing that i would hazard i guess players away from is um the face of the party bard who's also a tiefling doesn't go hand in hand here that's a really rough way but you have to have a very specific backstory Mm -hmm. and you almost have to clear that with your dm ahead of time especially if you're playing in the forgotten realms Yeah. yeah Yeah, if you're going through the nine hells or something like that, maybe you could do that, get away with that a little bit e- more easily. But or any of the other campaign settings that allow tieflings. Sure, you may not run into your homebrew might not have that issue as well. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, what do you think would be problematic about playing a tiefling in the standard lore? The fact that they pop up out of nowhere, I think, is going to be tough to like infiltrate into a regular campaign. Like you do, as to your point, you have to build a reason as to why they have a reason to be with the group that you have. Like, they have trust issues. People have trust issues with them. Like, they are not liked. They are unknown. Elves are just like, whatever, they'll probably die off in, like, a year. Like, that's great. Like, they don't care, right? So it's very difficult to infiltrate them into a world in a meaningful way. So I Mm -hmm. think it's just something to be aware of. Yeah, I was kind of looking at the same thing, right? The way that they are not trusted in society is going to bring you trouble, Whenever you go into any sort of civilized setting. Yeah. But that said, if you're playing out in the wilds, that's not as much of an issue. Um, My biggest issue that I see as playing a tiefling is the fact that there's so many tropes around playing a tiefling. It's really easy to lay into this. I sit in the shadow and don't talk to you. Yeah, exactly. Right, this (laughs) anti-social. I think you have a good opportunity to defeat use masks something like that maybe you disguise your face if you really want to lean into if the you fact got that like the ram horns that curl back exactly you wear a hood, hood over them there, exactly yeah. so yeah play with that but don't use that as an excuse to not engage so dms have a hard enough time getting their players to engage at the start yeah. of the session yeah. yeah so i came up with a problematic thing about the lore so bear with me on this 
every warlock that is a that has made a pact with a fiend, their offspring is going to be a tiefling. I was going to say something along the lines of, could you just pop out a tiefling baby if you were a human? Yeah, like, like that, that is literally what happened to them, right? Yeah, like, so the thing about you saying, they flip that and be like, all of a sudden you just have a tiefling baby and you're like, Ugh. Is it based on... <laughs> it, be, it means that whoever the, the, either you or the other parent, I mean... There's a double life or something? Yeah. Like, there's, but is there a difference between having blood versus right fiendish blood well you don't, versus it, it, having a pact with a fiend is that going to affect well the, like like i said you are not the descendant of a fiend correct you are the descendant of someone who has made a pact with the fiend a deal right. with okay, a devil i see so so anybody that makes a deal with the devil any level uh, with one of these arch devils is going to produce tieflings yeah and the arch devils are always out there they've got cults that that means that every cult member Every cult member is going to have a tiefling. It's going to be a lot of tieflings. That is a lot of tieflings. And remember, tieflings will only ever give more tieflings as well. Yes. So the tiefling numbers are going to swell in the next seven or eight generations. We're going to lose humans as a result of this. Ooh, do you think it'd be like a population issue at some point where like well, the I, elders, like the elves and all those ones have been around for a long time, are like, mm, well, maybe you're, we should get you're control You're assuming that they're this. breeding at higher rates than... Well, no, because the idea is that whatever branch that goes off in that direction. So let's say that uh, there's a mother and father that are humans and they've got a couple of kids and then one of one the of, two of them makes yeah, it back. I see what you're now saying. every other kid down the line from there is going to be a tiefling. That's right. Correct. But is it retroactive to the first two kids as well? Any any grandchildren but, because it's from that and it's a magical Well, uh, if it's lineage. retroactive then would you become a tiefling if you're the one who made Well, it would be new tieflings like uh, there was I all see. of a sudden at once everybody became a tiefling, mm-hmm. but that doesn't happen necessarily to new people. I see what you're necessarily. Yes. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's an issue and that brings me to the idea that if you're going to be a tiefling, I bet that you're not going to have too many romantic entanglements with NPCs because people will straight up say I don't want a tiefling baby yeah you're guaranteed unless you're in some small town that doesn't know about it well yeah and at this point most people are going to know about it yeah I feel like even though they haven't been around for that long if you see a tiefling roll up you're like mm, that's fiendish to me yeah you know like <laughs> everybody's got a kink <laughs> someone's got to have a tiefling shame. kink this is not a kink shaming show thank you <laughs> um, no shame I'm just saying everybody's got one okay on that note do tieflings interest you that was literally my next question, so Wait, thanks for that. In what, in what sense? Yeah. <laughs> How do we mean do a tiefling's interest you? We Clarify, said, we please, Adam. Kink shaming, right. right, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, they definitely interest me a little bit more now. As I said, like, I felt like they were a little bit too complicated, but when I finally like dug into it and dove a little deeper, it's actually quite simple. Sure. But I do feel like role-playing them would be a little bit difficult. So, I yeah, I'm interested, but like still not 100% sold. Brett? Tieflings interest me a little bit more now than they did before. Um, I have a penchant towards redemption arcs, so I would probably want to play that in my tiefling. I think finding a way to maybe remove that bloodline from them, um, that kind of interests me. Whether or not it's possible doesn't matter, but I can see... At least at least redeeming the name and being seen as a hero in the Exactly, land. yeah. Mm. Um, I... Still would not pick a tiefling. I, I, it's, it's not just, my go-to. It's not my go-to. <laughs> no. I honestly, they just keep giving us more and more playable races. And at this point, I go, I have, I never get to be a player. If I'm going to be a player, I'm going to pick an elf or a dwarf because I just never get to do the classics. So yeah, I have a lot of choices that I pick before a tiefling, but before I wouldn't even I, look at them. At least now, there's... I'm not. I'm not anti-tiefling by any means. And the as we're going to get into in the rest of the episode. There's a lot of variety to be had. There's something for everybody. Again, there's a Absolutely. lot. There's a yeah. lot. So uh, how do you guys feel about the variant options and the physical abnormalities that come with, with the variants? That's the only reason I would want to play a variant is the abnormalities. You're, yeah. not, you're not going after the, uh, the charm person? Like or they're the, fine. You've got a few wings. ways. you got other ways to get that. That nut of itself isn't the draw to me. The draw to me is the variations for... The way that they look, right? You can get a lot of flavor into your teeth. Yeah, you. That. Be, it it almost like drives the personality that you're going to build. Correct. Based on what it look, what they look like. I agree with right? that. Right. Yeah, and uh, am I the only one that's thinking of Nightcrawler? Oh, no, absolutely. 100%. That's the first thing okay. I thought yeah. when I saw okay, cool. Also, weirdly enough, why is it that Tieflings get tails but Dragonborn don't? 
Just because, a good sidebar question. Because dragonborns are not actually from dragons. Okay. Interestingly enough, they're their own mundane rates. So why they don't get dark vision either? Well, I remember I remember that conversation about the dark vision. Yeah. But like, yeah. No. Um, yeah, that's why I had to um, give our dragonborn wizard special magical plot hooks to get her wings and a tail. Yeah. Right? Because they don't come standard with it because they're just mundane creatures that kind of look yeah. scaly. So lizards, <laughs> lizards, <laughs> lizard men. Did you hit record? Yeah, go ahead. So, as some of you have noticed, obviously Dan and I launched a bit of an informal side project where we go through one of the Dungeons and Dragons publications at a time and determine the pros and cons and our overall thoughts. And the first one we did was Icewind Dale: Rime of the Frost Maiden. We went over almost every page, covering moderate spoilers for the adventure without giving the ending away. We cover things that interest players or may be useful to dungeon masters to get inspiration from. I always love going through the monsters and the items and the player options. I really enjoyed seeing all the different forms of the Frost Maiden and investigating everything about her frosty lair to her maiden head. Dan? What the fuck, man? I need you to take these commercials way more seriously. I show up every time with the utmost professional attitude. Ah! What? You? Professional? Yes. Professional what? Dick? At least I'm not an amateur dick. I don't... What? I What? What? What is your problem? What's an amateur dick? Well, I don't know. Obviously, by definition, it's a dick that doesn't get paid. Does your dick normally get paid? I mean, it should. Well, I'm not sure that Canada's ready to reintroduce the penny, Adam. Go fuck yourself, Dan. <laughs> it should be getting paid in pounds, if you get what I mean. You could pound pounds. it on your own time. We're trying to record a commercial. Okay, anyway, dick... We're going to periodically continue working our way through new releases as they come. Gross. As well as discussing some of the published material from Wizards of the Coast that has already hit the shelves. There's a lot of info out there for 5th edition, but not every DM or player knows which book to pick up next or what to expect from an adventure module. After all, there's some great additions to the library, and then there's, well, Rick and Morty versus D&D. This series is going to be sporadic and unscheduled. So keep your eyes out for these, and let us know if you agree with our assessments. We hope that you'll be able to use the series as a guideline for which books deserve your attention for your own personal needs as a D&D player, but keep in mind that they're going to be full of moderate spoilers for the adventures, and they aren't meant to tear into specific mechanics or stat blocks. As we go on, you'll be able to find previous Legend Lore episodes in a playlist on our YouTube channel, or check out the episode guide to see what books we've already covered by looking at the post on r slash it's a mimic on Reddit. Now, let's get back to the episode, shall we? Fuck, one of these days we're going to record a normal fucking commercial. I highly doubt it. Well, whose fault is that? Mostly yours. Disagree. Now, as I said before, Asmodeus is the one who is responsible for all tieflings looking like they do. We're going to set aside the fact that this spits in the face of the ongoing continuity between editions and just roll with the idea that according to Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, Asmodeus is the current reason for tieflings being the way that they are. For this reason, the mechanics of the tieflings that we've discussed so far apply to anyone who is connected to Asmodeus. But there are eight other Archdukes of the Nine Hells, and so there are eight other kinds of tieflings, each with their own ability score increases, and Infernal Legacy spells. It's important to note that no matter what kind of tiefling you're playing, Charisma is always going to be the spellcasting ability. So guys, let's roll initiative and work our way through them, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, I covered Asmodeus, so why don't you guys roll first? Okay. Sounds good. It's an 11 for me. Ooh, nah. a 20 for me. All right, Megan, who do you have? I have, and forgive me again, because pronunciation is not my strong suit. Belzebul. 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 Belzebul the Dildabot. No, 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 no. So this this demonic uh, persona kind of rules the realm of Maldomini. Maldomini? Maldomini. <laughs> Maladomini. <laughs> all right. All right. Go for it. Uh, but basically, uh, excels at corrupting anyone who sins and all that good stuff. So basically, just corruption, damnation, all that good nonsense. Um, so tieflings that kind of link themselves to this arc devil uh, basically has the ability to corrupt 
physically and mentally. So psychological and physically against mm-hmm. people. Um, their ability score increase is uh, intelligence. They get a plus one and it kind of fits a little bit. So I'm going to go through the legacy of Maladomini uh, and the lovely spells that you get. So the cantrip is Thaumaturgy. I feel like that fits, again, if you're thinking psychological. That's, sure. It, yep. It, yep. it, it fits. Uh, once you reach third level, you can cast the Ray of Sickness um, only at second level, uh, which isn't too bad. Um, again, that kind of fits into like the physical, mental. And then once you reach fifth level, you can also cast Crown of Madness. Um, anyone who's had to deal with Crown of Madness, it's pretty dope. It's amazing. Um, it's one of my favorite spells in general, but I love that it kind of attaches itself to this one. I think this one really does speak to the physical and mental abilities of them to kind of like get into your psyche. Yeah. And I, I, we're going to go over this all up, but I think with most of them, you must finish a long rest to cast these spells again. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's going to be said. Whatever your infernal legacy is, it's yes, once yeah. per long rest. Yeah. I just hadn't been said yet, so I was going to sure. yeah. say it there. But um, no, I really, I kind of really enjoyed this one a little bit. If I was going to do a tiefling, I might choose this one. To be honest with you, do you think it's more? Where's the power scale compared to the regular tiefling? Do you think with its spells? It's more powerful or less powerful? I I think it's neutral, to be honest with you. I don't it's, think it's, it's more. A it's, less, move. it's a lateral move. It's a lateral move. I don't think they're getting anything extra or anything more, especially because you can really only cast things at second level. You can't really go much higher than your basic nonsense. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel like this one is overpowered in any way, shape, or form. I think it allows for a lot more role-playing capabilities, mm-hmm. um, especially using these um, spells within battles or even in like plot hook moments or even just like... Having a conversation with someone, throwing Crown of Madness on someone just to make them go a little nutso, right? Like, it yep. just, I feel like it's really, really neat. Do you um, feel like it leans into the evil? It's inherently evil in my mind. Yeah. Because I don't think that you would really use these for the powers of good. We've had this conversation a few times on the podcast, right? About mind control is inherently evil. Anytime in, you take away someone's free will yeah. and power. In of my free- opinion, enchantment is more evil than necromancy. Yes. I'm... I'm with you on that. So I don't think I would have been, but after the conversations we've had the last few years, I'm on board. Yeah, that that's a bit of a hot take on the podcast, but I think most of us are on the same page with that. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that was the seventh layer of hell. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the eighth level of hell, Brad. Yes. You've got Mephistopheles is who I get to cover. Now he's famously from Cats, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Never seen it. Can't tell you anything about cats. You lucky bastard. Yeah. I didn't have any desire when the film came out to see cat buttholes in CGI. Well, and they so... removed the buttholes. You have to go to YouTube for the butthole edit. Oh well, I... and that's only the trailer. I don't and... want either one. And it is glorious. <laughs> it was actually someone's job to paint out the pubes. I'm telling you that right now. Glad it wasn't my job. Hey, we don't oh. kink shame on this. Part. No, we don't, but I'm saying I'm glad it wasn't my job. So, Mephistopheles is the ruler of Carnia, Arcania, sorry, which is the frozen realm. And his domain, should we say, is the arcane. He is full of arcane power. He, his whole deal is that Asmodeus gives him the kind of a longer leash to Correct. go and discover these more arcane um, spells and powerhouses and weapons to help in their war against not only the demons or the celestials, but also, you know, the material plane as well. Absolutely. So. Any, any opportunity, has, but one of the few who has, you know, that freedom to explore the arcane. Find yeah. the good magics. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so being arcane, you actually get a boost to your intellect as well as your charisma, right? Everybody gets the charisma, but you get plus one to your int, which makes sense, I but guess. That's standard. That's standard tiefling. That, uh, yeah, I guess so. So yeah, it's pretty part so, of the So course. that doesn't change, yeah. No, what does change though is you get... Uh, as a cantrip, you get Mage Hand. So that's, which, I mean, that's. Is there a, a more? Hand. Is there more <laughs> a more baseline arcane spell than Mage Hand? Like that's pretty bog standard. That most arcane casters are going to take Mage Hand at some point. Uh yeah, I think so. You have Magic Missile and your Shield, and sure, they're out. There, but yeah, as far as cantrips go, right? Mage Hand. If I get a chance to take Mage Hand, I take Mage Hand. Yeah, like it's just so helpful, especially you, if you're dungeon delving. Like it's just a useful thing. I am going to come up with fucky things to do with it over the span of a campaign. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we don't kink shame here. No, <laughs> continue. Oh boy, uh, third level, uh, you get Burning Hands. Uh, that was an interesting pick, especially because Frozen Realm, right? You know, let's just jump right to it. Fifth level, you get Flame Blade. So now I'm picturing Gish character, right? With Flame Blade, mm. you're going to want some sort of Gish character. And with Burning Hands, again, you're wanting to be up close and personal. 
So I'm picturing Hexblade Warlock, something along those lines. Um, I mean, it just leans right into... They all lean into Warlock. I yeah. every Tiefling leans into Warlock. Let's. It's hard do, not to just go in that direction. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I struggled against that because it is so clearly what they're designed for, and they yeah. step on those toes, right? Yeah. And it's, as soon as you put Charisma as the main stat with a... With already having a tie to, to Asmodeus, devil, yeah, to, like, like or whatever Archdevil, yeah, you're right. Like yeah. it, it definitely feels that way. Or at the very least, because you were born with it, you're a but sorcerer. Then getting, then you're getting int. Like that's not really what you want with either of those. So it, it's an interesting choice there, in that sense. And again, mm-hmm. I'm kind of thrown off by the fact: why are we getting fire and like flame blade? Is it that cold that even? Nephistopheles needs to warm up. Like, why are we going with flame spells when we have... <laughs> no, no, no. you got to think about it like a utility. Like, everything there is going to be cold resistant mm-hmm. that lives on this cold plane. Yeah. So they're not going to have cold weapons to dominate these beasts and creatures there. They're going to have fire weapons. I, right? I, so I guess when you're fighting creatures on your own plane, yeah. that's yeah. reasonable. But as soon as you're having extra planar battles, like, it just... I don't know. It didn't totally line up for me. I see what you're saying, but I thought it was an interesting mix. Is it overpowered? I don't think it's overpowered. Again, you're leaning really into a Gish character. So if you're playing a Hexblade Warlock, yes, this is a way better option for you. Yeah, there's, it's going to have better synergy with some right. things than if, others. but With the new rules and Tasha's, if you want to play a Bladesinger Wizard, I mean, again, here you're getting int, so maybe that makes a little more sense. It's going to be good for anything that's going to multi-class between yes. Charisma and Intelligence, or even just a Rogue, because yeah, rogue. Ro- rogue don't lean into Intelligence what the way they Paladin, have in the past. Right? Well, now you're looking at Tiefling Paladin. This is starting to look a little bit nicer as well, right? You're getting the idea of Burning team. Hands and Flame Blade as a Tiefling Paladin. Well, okay, this is starting to make a little more sense. Even a Cleric could get away with this. All right, well, let's grab our dice and roll for the next round. All right. 16? 11. Oh, I'm going last again. Oh. Okay, so, Brad, who'd you got for us next? All right, round two. I get to give you Fierna. Which is the love interest in Shrek, I believe. Yes, that, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly That's the one. Yeah, yep. <laughs> absolutely. So Fierna is a master manipulator. Uh, she is, the words I chose were forcefully persuasive. She makes sure that... She gives you the struggle call. She, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't kink shame here. But maybe we should. But maybe we should. Today is the day. <laughs> Yeah, so master manipul she's incredibly manipulative. She makes sure that she her way is imposed upon you. So if she can convince you to do it of your own free will, great. If she can't, well, she has ways of making you talk or making you do what she needs to do. Yikes. Uh your modifier for Fierna is wisdom, and we'll go along with the manipulation with the cantrips. So first starting with friends is what you get as a cantrip right at the beginning. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. That's that's there's that struggle snuggle that are, you're talking are, are about. Are you ready for third level? Charm that. person. Of course. On uh-huh. brand. Fifth level, suggestion. So we were oh. earlier talking yeah, earlier we were talking about how evil it is when you're messing with people's free will. Well, this is about as evil as it gets in that case. Yeah. Her whole thing is making you do whatever you don't want to do. Or whatever she wants or you whatever to do. Or whatever she wants yeah. you to do. I mean, if you want to do it, then it's easy for her. But if it's not, she's got op- you've got options. She'll suggest. Exactly. Forcefully <laughs> suggest. <laughs> yeah. Interesting choice. Right on brand. I'm on board with it. This so, is great for a bard. So the weird... So Fierna, speaking of kink jamming, Fierna's weird. Yes. Weird as fudge. She is the... She's considered the lady of Phlegethos, which is, I want to say, the fourth layer of hell. Um, but... She rules it along with Belial. Yes. She is the master manipulator behind it all, but he's the militant. And he's content to let her call the shots most of the time. But um, this, So this is weird. Belial is her dad. Mm-hmm. Also kind of her brother. Sometimes, depending on the lore. And also her lover, depending on the lore. So it's really, really gross and weird. We I don't mean, the, kink shame. This is this is the hells, right? Anything goes. Anything goes in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I would not really say, hey, you know what? That's my guy with mm-hmm. her. Unless I'm going to clear that with my DM first. Because a lot of times when you choose a tiefling that has a specific archdevil that, that they get their powers from or someone made a deal with, your DM is going to want to bring them into the campaign. Mm-hmm. And this is a bit of a sticky wicket. 
on that. So I'd be really clear about that. Maybe maybe grab the stats and pick a different archfiend. Well, so you're saying you shouldn't just make up a deity for your DM? You should actually just choose it from the book? I don't Sh- know. Shall we talk about this, Megan? <laughs> How'd that work out for you last time? God, it'll never be a problem. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they're ever going to come up, right? No. <laughs> I mean, most DMs are probably right, actually. It won't come up, so it's really not an issue. But if you have a DM who cares about Especially this sort of thing, in a homebrew. Yeah. Or they will start to work on little bits and pieces that if they're a DM who knows their lore, and some do, it could get... Freaking weird. Yep. So clear that first. Make sure that they know what you're talking about before you jump in with both feet on Fierna. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're manipulating something, it's going to get a little bit... It's dicey. So So would you call this one overpowered then? Or would you just... Power isn't the right... It's hard to measure power when you're talking about this sort of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, the saves that you're getting against these things, not a lot of creatures are going to be able to save against it. So these are actually going to be quite useful. Yeah. Like, this is going to come up. It's going to be effective when it is. Like, these are social encounter. When it comes to social encounters, this is incredibly overpowered in comparison to your standard tiefling. They're not getting a lot in combat. I mean, charm person can be useful in combat to remove a threat. Even suggestion I've used to some degree in combat. But generally speaking, everything about this feels like it's made for social encounters. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Incredibly powerful in those situations, especially when you combine them with a bard. Or maybe even a warlock. Somebody who's got a lot of power outside of combat to begin with. You're a chanter or you're illusionist or you're... Yeah. Uh, th- well, what's a day without you burning spell slots? I mean, you're getting wisdom as yeah. your bonus. So, I mean, you could even play, right? Trickster Cleric would be a great fit for something like this. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Right? Um, Paladin. That was actually the first thing I said. <laughs> Again, here Really? Go. Every time. <laughs> I right. thought you didn't like uh, paladins. Me? I love paladins. <laughs> I, I'm sitting at a table with the two biggest proponents of paladins that I know. <laughs> and clerics. All right, Megan, who do you have? I've got Glacia. 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 Um, so the easiest way I can describe this hellish fiend it would be Hell's Criminal Mastermind. So basically, Grant, the magic is for committing heists and being... Sneaky and being secretive. It's a heist? It's a heist. You son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> it is a heist. So, I mean, rogues, you listen up. Um, but so the ability increase is going to be your dexterity plus one. The legacy of Malbolg. Did I say that one right? Malbolge. 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 My bulge? My bulge. <laughs> okay, mm, for sure. We all got there. Yeah, so the legacy of Malbolge. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, it really does fit, and I really do enjoy this one a lot. So you get minor illusion as your cantrip. Kind of makes sense. Yep. Heisting, minor illusions. At third level, you can cast Disguise Self. Only at second level, though. But, I mean, that's par for the course. Still pretty cool. And then at fifth level, you can cast Invisibility at uh, second level as well. That makes sense, though. Mm-hmm. I yep. like that it's you can do that. That's Just make a magician. This is all I want. I want. Hmm. I want a tiefling magician. Would you? Would <laughs> you go? With, yeah, the, <laughs> the illusionist. And now you're playing like. Now you see me. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting sidebar about Glacia. She is Asmodeus's daughter. Oh yeah. And only kin that we know of. Oh my. So I think there's some nepotism going on there. In there the might Rhinos. be. You know, just leading leading the way. But I don't feel this one is overpowered. I feel this one is par for the course. It's thematic. It. It just works as is. I don't think you're really going to be breaking a system with this one, but uh, I like it. Okay, so Levistus is mine. And Levistus is from Stygia, which is the frozen wasteland that makes up the fifth level of the Nine Hells. He's trapped inside an iceberg where he is conscious, but unable to move. And that is his punishment for trying to overthrow Gurion and claim the realm for himself. As recompense, Asmodeus has decreed that Levistus has to maintain a quota of souls, making bargains with anyone who is desperate for freedom, escape, or safety. This means anyone from a prisoner to a criminal to someone who is trapped in a place of certain death can make a deal and sacrifice their soul for powers. It's ironic. It's not just ironic, it's opportunistic and super manipulative. But this explains why the ability score keeps the charisma of a plus two, because Levistus has to persuade people to give their souls for safety, and the plus one to constitution makes a certain amount of sense because he's, I mean, the frigid yeah, climate. Nice. That, yeah. yeah. So as for legacy spells, tieflings of Levistus get Ray of Frost, 
instead of Thaumaturgy, and Armor of Agathis instead of Hellish Rebuke at 2nd level. They still get to cast Darkness at 5th level, um, like in Asmodeus Tiefling, but I guess that makes sense, because not a whole lot of fire and light going on in Stygia, because it's a frozen hellscape. Yeah. When I think about classes who might be drawn to Levistus, besides fiendish warlocks, of course, I think about chaotic characters who are seduced by the story of Levistus and him trying to overthrow and replace an opponent. Mm. And I also think of the odd aspect of his realm. So I lean immediately to Storm Herald Barbarians and Storm Sorcerers for obvious reasons. But the fact that there's a little used circle of Land Druid that focuses on Arctic spells makes me happy for this. Especially <laughs> mm. because that expanded Druid spell list includes Hold Person, yeah. Sleet Storm, Slow, Freedom of Movement, Ice Storm and Cone of Cold, so thematically, it's a freaking grand slam. A Levistus Tiefling Circle of Land Druid is perfect for me. That's what I would want for to For you. I love this yes. for you. Yes. For yes. me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you guys think that it's overpowered, the the Ray of Frost? and the? I think it's a pretty strong choice, to be I, honest. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, again, like overpowered is a, is a weird word and terminology for it, but like I do feel that if you're looking at the, the options, this one does have a heftier weight to it. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, There's a lot of use. And a lot of opportunity to tie in backstory with making a character who was a prisoner, right? Who made yeah. a deal to escape. There's a lot There's of backgrounds a, that yeah, lean into that absolutely. shit as well. So Yeah. So... I've got a small tip for DMs right now. Okay. So Just the tip, though. Just the tip, though. Yeah. So it, just because it recently happened to me, and I feel it's a little bit thematic in today's conversation because of evil characters doing evil things and playing with people's minds, is don't get your players drunk when they are trying <laughs> to make very strategic decisions. Pray tell, Megan. <laughs> oh, this, this only comes from experience. Story time with Megan. Um, so recently playing in a and d campaign and, um, they decided to have us drink with orcs and then, orcs and corks. Yeah. And then decided to try and have a very serious conversation about the next step in the actual full campaign. And of course I was playing a halfling. So therefore I got drunk super quick and it's supposed to last like eight hours. So my character could not make a decision to save her life and made a lot of really stupid decisions. But he really wanted me to role play it out and then eventually got really annoyed with it. And I was just like, and like, but like as a player, <laughs> what I'm just like, I'm like, whatever, man, like you decided to do this. I'm just going to give you a hard time. Did about you get it. hammed at the table? Oh, or? I got, well, I mean, as a person, obviously. But yeah. like, um, but I just, just rolls right into the just playing evil, stupid. <laughs> yeah. I feel like just being drunk as a character and being evil stupid. And then we can fucking kill him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my else tip. Would it end? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, speaking of things to do while you're drunk, uh, you can oh. find us if you want more information on Instagram. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I'm the one that answers that shit. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're interested in more information or you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and at r slash it's a mimic on Reddit. Or you can always email us at info at it's a mimic dot com. And we are always accepting mailbag questions. If you missed the last mailbag, do yourself a favor. Go back and listen to it. It was fantastic. They always are. But if you have any questions for us, send them our way and they might just show up on the next mailbag. Note that we uh, may be a little bit behind, but they'll get put in the list and... We roll for them. Some so of them just don't get picked. It's just random. It's and not we don't that we don't like you. Well, it, well a couple yeah, of There's yeah. some of you that we might not like. But <laughs> Adam, do you want any names? Yes. <laughs> but I'm not going to. Dan's not here. It's fine. Dan is the name. Oh, yeah. yeah there. Dan. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, grab dice and roll for the last three archdevils here. 12? 13. 6. At least I'm not going last. Excellent. All right, Megan. So I've got the Dispater. So this, um, think of the great city of Dis, which is essentially Dis. Dis nuts. Dees, uh, which is all over the second layer of hell, layer two. And, and he's named after, or it's named after him, I'm guessing, so because Dispater. Yes, Dispater. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's the master of the realm. You want to make that sound German? <laughs> That's, that's just he is person. the master of his realm, correct? <laughs> yes, he is the master despater. Oh my goodness. Any whoozle. Yep. So the whole concept with these guys is that, think of them as spies and infiltrators, essentially, is how I bottle them up together. So the whole process of them is to uncover secrets and then sell them to the highest bidder. 
so in my mind, this is like a good operation and I feel like their abilities do fit well into this. So their ability score is a dex plus one. So I don't know if that fits 100%, but obviously if you're going with a rogue sneaky character, you yeah, will want the dex bonus, the I think is what the... Trip, yeah. yeah, so that's where I feel like where that comes from. Uh, whereas in my mind, I'm like, I guess because you're already a tiefling, you get your charisma bonus, X, Y, Z, so you don't really... Uh, yeah, anyways. So they get the legacy of Dis, which is going to be Dis. Dis uh, with... legacy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you're never getting through this one, Megan. No. Um, so uh, their cantrip that they get is Thaumaturgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I, yep. It fits yeah. in my mind. Yep. Brand. Uh, and then at second level, they get D Sky's self. Fuck. Sorry, no, they can cast it as a second level, but they get it at third level. So sure. Just okay. to redirect that. And then at fifth level, they get Detect Thoughts, which, I mean, that thematically, it kind of fits like a glove. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're trying to infiltrate people's secrets so they can sell them. Um, I love the kind of plot hook with these guys to be very much along the lines of, you know, like your underground secret corporation that is stealing secrets and selling them. And So I've been doing a deep dive into all the different backgrounds recently. Yeah. And there are like nine different kind of spy yes, backgrounds so in 5th edition. And like... There's it's almost like for every one of the campaign settings too. There's a couple of them, yeah. and that doesn't even include all the Eberron house, house agent shit. Yeah, right? there's so much stuff. So there's something in there for everybody, which is good. Absolutely, and I think like to your point with that, when I'm thinking about it being overpowered, like I feel like if because there are so many things in this game directed towards sneakiness and heistiness and like just general nonsense i i feel like it can be a little bit over again it's had a little bit more weight to it just because the abilities that you're getting mixed in with the background mixed in with your yeah. the fact that you're a tiefling or a rogue or what have yeah. you makes you very overpowered in that very specific area but i think that's a good thing yeah not right? a bad thing i just no, think I, that my, the mastermind rogue is going to shine yes. with this yeah absolutely so, I agree with you 100% on that. It's not so much that they're overpowered. They're min-maxed all the hell. Exactly. You are. Th- this is what you do. Yes. And you do it well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So hold on. That was me next, right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. So my next one was from the first layer. We've gone from the second layer of hell now to the first layer, which of course is Ariel, who most of us know pretty well by this point because of her spotlight in Descent into Avernus. She's a fallen angel who rules over the war-torn first level of the Nine Hells, and she's obsessed with the Blood War. Asmodeus replaced Bell, the pit fiend who used to rule Avernus, and now her rage and zeal keep her a general on the front lines, where she fights and kills demons by the hundreds. She's nothing like the other scheming and conniving archdevils of the Nine Hells, as she's driven by bloodlust and reckless destruction. Also like Megan when she drinks. So How very dare. <laughs> is he wrong? He is not wrong. I'm just gonna personally attacked right now. <laughs> As a result, only because you're sober. Holy shit. So, <laughs> As a result of this, Tieflings who if I'm not on the next episode, you know why. Uh Tieflings who have Zerial's influence gain a strength bonus of plus one. That's the only strength that you see only for one, yeah. instead of intelligence. So they keep the charisma bonus of plus two, um, which makes them uniquely suited to be paladins, Megan. Yay! So this makes a certain amount of sense when you think about how Zeriel is a fallen angel, but it's reflected in the infernal legacy spells too. You keep thaumaturgy like a regular tiefling, but you replace hellish rebuke with searing smite. Dope. And at fifth level, you replace darkness with branding smite. It's really nice to see these Paladin Smites popping up somewhere else in 5th edition. Yes. And being used well, Yeah, I think, yeah. is a big point. It's on brand, right? They're yeah. on brand. It's not just thrown thematic. in. Like, I feel like a lot of the times Paladins will just pick all their Smites, but they're not really themed to them as Paladins. Yeah. I feel like this is very structurally themed, and I think yes. that they did that very well. When looking at Zerial Tieflings, I obviously start with the idea of an Oathbreaker Paladin or an Oath of Vengeance Paladin, but if that's a little too on the nose, I'd look into Rangers or Fighters. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Barbarians can't cast spells while they're raging, so the appropriately themed battle ragers, zealots, and berserkers are out. Mm-hmm. For rangers, monster slayers and horizon walkers make the most sense, and battle masters, champions, and eldritch knights all seem like decent fits too. I really, really, really wish that the theme of rage and anger was explored in other classes, considering that a lot of other classes have their basic themes sprinkled among each other. You can get sorcerers with divine spells, 
fighters, monks, and rogues with arcane spells, bards who can duel with swords, and paladins and clerics with nature flavor. I want to see a fighter that can tap into his or her anger or a ranger that can dig into the primal beast within. That'd be ideal for Zerial Tiefling, and we don't have anything like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I dig it. So I figured in order to really embrace this, you're going to have to multi-class a little bit to get it all. Yeah. But, but I, mean, I mean, obviously Oathbreaker and Oath of Vengeance are the right one. Yeah, that's the path that you would naturally go. Yeah. 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 All right, well, I'll close this out with the last one. I have Mamon. 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 Uh, Mamon is the archdevil of coin or wealth, um, really a hoarder of wealth. So not just in the desire to gain wealth. This is Jeff Bezos. <laughs> no, is that well, well then? Well, okay, to, uh, on the nose. Yeah. So with the desire for wealth comes the bonus to int on brand. Yeah. Totally tracks. Right. You need generally when you're looking for wealth. This isn't just about even gaining wealth, but hoarding and protecting wealth you need to be fairly intelligent to protect your wealth from other people who are trying to take it from you yeah spells that you get is mage hand mm. for your cantrip interesting i i kind of pictured it maybe as a pickpocket but useful in other ways to kind of move things around right if you've got a lot of wealth and you're taking inventory oh pick this up put it over there that's kind of how i envision it being used sure so at third level, you get Tensor's Floating Disc, which is really interesting. It took me a moment to wrap my head around this. But I'm picturing it just, again, moving wealth around, right? So maybe not as a player character, right? I'm trying to tie it more to the actual devil themselves, why this yeah, would be yeah. a sense. But yeah, I can kind of picture, here's my wealth on display, but also protected, right? You can't move that disc yeah. without having some sort of influence over it. And then lastly, you get Arcane Lock. Again, this is about the protection of the wealth. Mm-hmm. It really does seem to be themed pretty consistently. Yes, it does very well. And it's themed a lot to, I feel like it's more towards the devil. I, as a player, this doesn't interest me a lot. These spells aren't ones that I typically pick to begin with. Sure. Right. These are ones that, in fact, I would very easily make an evil NPC who was a tiefling of Mamon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, where they had collected all of this wealth. and Well, Acquisitions Incorporated gives us some backgrounds as well for this as well. Yes. If you want to go into the more corporate side of things, that sure. could make a little bit of sense. If you're playing that sort of campaign, I could even see it maybe in a Dragon Heist campaign. Yeah, that right, makes where sense. Where your desire is to complete this heist. In fact, we had earlier, right? heists within the structure so you could have a couple tieflings of for different reasons getting together to pull off a heist sure yeah mm-hmm. that but, makes sense um yeah so your tiefling that was a descendant of mamon would be the one who is i would consider them to be more of the mastermind they're the ones who are interested in gaining the wealth and then keeping it to themselves uh, it feels to yeah but masterminds don't gain the wealth they gain secrets right so it's so not not, that... ro- not mastermind rogue i'm okay. mastermind of an operation yeah okay right okay. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time tying this to a specific class. Again, rogue is kind of... Thief. But it's funny. I, I was thinking about artificers because yeah. they have a lot of objects and items and whatnot. Magic items. Yeah, yeah I so. can see it. Sundials, the whole nine yards, yeah. Yeah, this is one of those ones that... <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, one of those ones that I see tied more to an NPC. I would use more for an NPC than I would for a player character myself. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so that brings us to my favorite part, which is our unique creative character builds. Let's grab dice and roll initiative. What the hell? Oh, Ten. Oh, you guys get to roll, roll off. off. Just could you? We clashed it. Yeah. Thirteen. Eighteen. Oh, son of a bitch! I'm going last. All right, fine. All right, Brad. All right, I'm gonna go first. So I really envision playing a way of mercy monk. For which one? For. I was having a hard time with this one. I was thinking maybe for um, Despitter, maybe. Mm-hmm. I could see it, right? There's some spies. And this was the reason for this was more because I really like the idea of playing the, we talked about this earlier, the redemption arc for yeah. a tiefling, right? So Way of Mercy has this interesting blend of life and death, right? Where you could potentially start as there's this mercy in the killing of someone who's suffering. Sure. And by nature, the way a mercy monk with in their own description, they tend to wear masks to cover their face. Mm-hmm. So it'd be really easy for a way of mercy monk tiefling to disguise who they are with a hood and a mask, hide the horns, hide the other features. While at the same time, they're trying to struggle with the death aspect of death 
but also the aspect of healing, where they want to be more than just this creature that's known for right being of hell of the things after death. Yeah, and they want so they have this desire to fight against sending creatures to the hells that are the, but they'd rather give them life. Sure. Yeah. And so I really see the Mercy Monk as being kind of an excellent fit for that. Again, you get a dex bonus, which is why I kind of looked at Despitter. Yeah. Because of the nature of the mass and everything, they kind of built into spy, into deception, things like that. So Mage Hand Cantrip is going to be useful. And then Burning Hands and Flame Blade, right? You're going to be up close and personal anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of was a good fit in that sense. But I was more interested in playing this, again, redemption arc. Yeah, okay, that's fair. You and your redemptions. You and Dan are the same like that. You wanna <laughs> you wanna start low and get high. Absolutely. I'd rather do that than the other way around. Well, they've legalized that now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. I, COVID's brought me low, maybe it's what? time to get high. <laughs> I for me, I would love to build um a sorcerer tiefling. I just, I felt like it fit with a couple of them. Yeah, well, you mind. got charisma, right? It lines up. It does line up, especially with a couple of the metamedics that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of them have the charisma modifier that is utilized within a lot of the metamedics. So, but the um, the evil I've chosen, which is how I'll say it now, uh, is the Belzebul. So, and like, uh, sit with me just for a minute here. So, all I, right, okay, I, man. I we're love, sitting with you. Yes. I love the idea of the mental and physical mind fuckery. Like, I just really enjoy that. Uh, but I wanted to theme it as in, your DM noted. I am, um, <laughs> but, but weirdly, I just, poor choice of words. <laughs> I really came up with the theme of just being a fly of a tiefling. So, like, just being very, very annoying. So, like, taking oh, spells like no. Infestation and taking things like... So, Crown of Madness is actually thematically, like, flies as opposed to, like, the crown. I and, feel like, like you've multiclassed into Swarm Keeper. I know. I just... I did, but that's kind of like... But mm. I wanted to fit it into this. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> which, which subclass were you looking at, then? For a sorcerer. Do you have one? No, I didn't really think of that. Aberrant Mind is what came to mind when you were talking about, you know, messing with... Right? Crown of Madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be messing with people's minds. You want to be annoying. Aberrant mind was a good pit. For yeah, you can psychically communicate with anybody that you see. So you could see someone for like as long as you're within thirty feet of them. Yeah. For the next, I think minutes, which equal your um, charisma modifier, which, yeah, which fits. Yeah. Yeah, you can just communicate with them no matter where they are, like within uh, your the same plane. No, no, no. It's within a number of miles is it, is equal to like it, but it is it's crazy. You can actually communicate with people and they don't know who you are or what you're doing you can just you start talking i love you just it. had to see them yeah yeah that shopkeeper who didn't give you the discount yeah you Bummer. cast a spell and walk out and then like 15 minutes later you're like hey motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> mine now i just really wanted to figure out how to make the most annoying character on the planet <laughs> talk to dan oh yeah well let's just start with the gnome <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, are you done? Can I, I am done. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. All right, so obviously all the charisma casters are popular choices for tieflings. Yes. Which are bards, paladins, sorcerers, and warlocks. They all fit the bill. I liked feral tieflings who give up their charisma bonus for dexterity, and that makes for excellent rogues. But if you want to continue to play in the realm of dex-based tiefling and don't mind relying on wisdom without a racial bonus, I think a winged feral tiefling would make an excellent Gloomstalker Ranger. Hmm. Outlander background, obviously, and yeah. I'm going for a bit of a Jersey Devil feel, as far as the local townsfolk are concerned. Oh, do you have the accent? <laughs> <laughs> no. From New, New Jersey? <laughs> Not a New Jersey Devil. Oh, sorry. The Jersey Devil. <laughs> this tiefling hasn't given up on civilization, even though he knows in his heart that civilized people have given up on him. Mm. He's learned to stick to the shadows to avoid hatred and persecution, and he lives just beyond the outskirts of a small town. He protects the town from scouting parties of goblins and orcs and kobolds and flies from treetop to treetop, hunting his prey and living off the land. He considers himself a martyr of sorts and relies on his own skills for survival. Maybe he has a single friend in town who brings him information and supplies, probably a child that doesn't know judgment or hatred, or maybe a priest who's trying to save his soul. Hmm. And the church is a haven for him to get patched up when he needs and to get advice on matters that he doesn't understand. And it might even give him a little bit of a religion character, like religion to this character. And then I realized that I've just made Daredevil. I was, I was yeah. just made a redemption character. Yeah. 
had just made Daredevil by accident. So yeah. I realized that like 15 just seconds now. ago. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Feral tiefling with, with bat wings. Not Batman, but Daredevil. Mm. Do we have any final thoughts before we wrap it up on TV? Do you guys, like, you've come around on them now, right? Like, I have. I, I just feel like, but I like the themes. I enjoy the, the thematics, and it makes it easier for, like, as as difficult as it is to wrap your head around a tiefling for first-time players, I feel like it's very themed, so it is easier to role-play, because we're very much something. You, It's not very open-ended. Right? Yeah, you're not just an average human doing a average human day. How dare yeah. you? I feel like you're looking right at me. <laughs> Directly <laughs> at you. I love playing humans. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm happy with, but it's giving me a lot more NPC ideas as a DM Yeah. rather than player prompts. I still yeah. don't see myself, again, there's so many other options I would rather pursue if I'm going to play a full campaign. Especially, tieflings are kind of, at least if you look at the internet, they're the hotness right now as far as player characters are concerned. Everybody wants to build the edgy tiefling that's the outcast of the party. It just, They seem to be everywhere. You look at D&D fan art, they are everywhere. Okay, here's my thing, guys. You can make any character goth, edgy, and angry. You, you can, but tieflings <laughs> seem Except to be the... the halfling. No, A goth halfling it. would be the funniest. I'm on board. Fucking accepted. <laughs> Well, next campaign, she's throwing her whole character idea. You've now given her a goth, a goth bard. Well, shit. This is happening Halfling. now. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Yeah, but yeah, a, no, they, they a don't interest me as a player. A gothling? Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Angry little juggalo marching into the... Oh, my God. <laughs> it just got worse. I mean, better? I mean, worse? I don't know. Maybe. All right, so that's all for this discussion on Tieflings. We've got a lot more ground to cover with playable races as we move forward, so check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be getting in touch with our primal side and go charging headfirst into a discussion on the barbarian subclasses in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we do have a lovely donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merchandise. I do have the mug. You guys should get the mug. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of our podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. But you know we won't kink shame, apparently. No kink shaming. (laughs) No. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. All right, so with the conversation with tieflings we just had and all the archdevils associated with them, if you were a tiefling, which archdevil would you want as your progenitor? Asmodeus. Always. He's the smartest and the best. Why would I choose anything else? I wasn't listening. You're going to have to repeat that. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So if you were a tiefling, which which of the archdevils would you want as your progenitor? Oh, I would have to say the same as you. I'm sorry. I don't. Yeah, I don't really see why. Big Papa Horny. Yeah. 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 Uh, I will differ. I'm soup, soup's badass. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Despeter fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the subterfuge. I like the cantrips that you get are incredibly useful in many situations as long as it's not combat. You have a lot of opportunity to sow distrust to basically keep yourself out of trouble. And Fair. I like to avoid trouble. I don't want to fight if I can prevent it. You just run away from things, is what you're saying. <laughs> I like to work around. More like a Loki. Oh, mischief and trickster. Yes. Okay. Asmodeus, Asmodeus. No, not Asmodeus. <laughs> Adam, start dancing here. We're fine. Fuck. Thanks for listening. Bye.